Every team, every topic, everywhere, this is Believe. Before we get started with today's show, I want to tell you guys about betonline.ag. For years, BetOnline Sportsbook had all of your odds, props, promos, and parlays for whatever sport you can imagine. However, this week is the first time ever BetOnline Sportsbook has a basketball in-season tournament. You can use our promo code BLEAV, B-L-E-A-V, with the link in the description of this episode, and you can get a 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit. Take that 50% welcome bonus and bet on the in-season tournament. You could take Tyrese Halliburton and the Pacers, the New York Knicks, Dame and Giannis in Milwaukee. You've got the Pelicans. You've got a duel between the Suns and the Lakers, the favorites in Boston, or my pick to win it all, my hometown, Sacramento Kings. Light the beam, bet online, where the game starts. You're saying that Joe Flacco, Mitchell Trubisky, and Jake Browning aren't going to catch the Ravens? Yeah. What started off as a tough uh, division chase is suddenly not so tough because every quarterback in this division except Lamar Jackson is hurt. So the Ravens, you know, they're coming off bye week here. They should be second in the AFC as of this current recording. I believe the Dolphins are currently in the one seed at this moment. So... The Ravens, it kind of seems like if this is going to be a year for them to do it, to win the AFC, to potentially win a Super Bowl, kind of feels like this is their best chance. What do you think? I will not say it was a better chance than the year that they were the greatest football team I've ever seen play. And that was 2019 when they flamed out in the divisional round because of two failed fourth down conversions and an interception that went through Mark Andrews hands. But But, I mean, are we sure? Like we have a down AFC right now. We have a chiefs team that just can't seem to figure it out. We have a bills team that we're riding off. We have a Bengals team that's non-existent. Thanks to Jake Browning being in for Joe Burrow. This has nothing to do with this year's Baltimore Ravens team. They have the number one defense in the NFL. And I'm sure we'll talk about all the things that they're doing. Great. I just want to point out the fact that, You and I may not be the oldest fellows in the world, but we have watched thousands of football games in our lifetime. That 2019 Baltimore Ravens team is the best football team I've ever watched play. Just want to put that out there. That team was literally unbeatable in the regular season. They beat you by dropping 56 on you. They beat you 17-14 against the 49ers. However, they had to do it. They kicked ass, took names, and Lamar Jackson was amazing that season. Amazing. So I <laughs> just want to point out. the top wide receiver on that team? Was it Willie Sneed? Uh, I mean, it was probably Mark Andrews, but I mean, top receiver, man, you might be. You, I, that's <laughs> a good shout with Willie Sneed. Uh, spiritually, it probably was Willie Sneed. I think Hollywood Brown was a rookie that year, but still. like I don't spirit- think so. I think Hollywood was like a year after because wasn't part of the narrative is like, Okay, well, Lamar had this MVP season. What if we got him like a top flight rookie to enhance his stats and Hollywood Brown is supposed to be that? I might be no, wrong. Hollywood, Holly, Hollywood was a rookie that year because I remember him catching that touchdown where he ran like 60 yards against the Dolphins. Yeah, he was he actually picked ahead of Debo Samuel and AJ Brown in that draft. But yeah, uh, he, <laughs> probably something that didn't age well. 
Nope, did, didn't age great. Uh, the receiver room for that team includes Hollywood Brown, Willie Sneed, good shout, uh, Miles Boykin, and Chris Moore. Those were that was their top four receivers that year. Uh, <laughs> not very good, but I just how I does just yeah? I mean, how does that match up against this current Ravens wide receiving group? Uh, you know, Flowers, Bateman, OBJ, OBJ. three years passes prime. Actually, probably like more like eight years. Gosh, when was the one handed catch? Feels like that forever was ago that was Thanksgiving point. of 2014, nine years ago. That's crazy to think about. That was nine years ago. Okay, so let's let's talk about the Ravens and what they have done to put themselves in this position because they have the number one defense in the NFL and they're tied for the best record in the AFC. The last time the Ravens had the best record in the AFC was 2021. They were two two-point conversions away from being 10-2 and two that season. Instead, they missed on both of those two-point conversions. They were 8-4, and four, and then Lamar Jackson injured his leg. They brought in Tyler Huntley. They went 0-5 the rest of the season to finish 8-9 and and miss the playoffs. A team that was two two two-point conversions away from being 10-2 and and number one seed in the AFC. Because remember, that was the year that the Titans got the number one seed with like a 12-5 and bullshit record. Two two two-point conversions away from being the number one seed in the AFC ended up missing the playoffs. And from that point forward, the Baltimore Ravens reinvented their team around Lamar Jackson because they knew that eventually Lamar Jackson was going to get this big contract, right? Like Lamar Jackson was the end of the first round. So they got five years of him on the rookie deal. So they got 2018, 2019, 2020, 2021. And then by year five, he was on the the fifth year option. So he was making 20 something million. And that number was about to go up to the 40 million range somewhere. They squeezed every bit of success they could out of Lamar Jackson's rookie contract. Granted, they came up short in 2019, but as I'll reiterate from the start of this video, that 2019 Ravens team was the greatest football team I have ever watched play. (laughs) I feel like they deserve bonus points for that, even if they lost in the playoffs. Like that. No, you lost to a six seed. You don't get bonus points. I just want to when I say they squeezed every bit out of that team as they could. Earl Thomas got made into a lead blocker for Derrick Henry. I know no bonus points (laughs) when I just want to reiterate what I mean when I say they got the most out of that team as they could because people can push back and be like they never made it to an AFC championship game yes fair they didn't make it to an AFC championship game with Lamar Jackson on his rookie contract fine they didn't get there that's fine whatever they they put together the greatest football team I've ever seen play and I feel like they deserve credit for that point being the Baltimore Ravens went through four years with Lamar Jackson on the rookie contract, and then they had to pivot because Lamar Jackson was going to make a certain amount of money. And under this circumstance, fans, pundits alike, often point to like the quarterback needs to step up because he's now making this amount of money. And I've heard Dominique Foxworth explain this really well, which is this idea that when the quarterback is on a rookie contract and Lamar Jackson is the unanimous MVP while only making $2 million a year like he was during that 2019 season. That's the quarterback outperforming expectation and giving them this great competitive advantage. Once the quarterback no longer gives you a competitive advantage, now it's time for the general manager to do their job and build around that quarterback that's now making what that quarterback so rightly deserves. It's not on the quarterback has to play more. It's on front office. You got to start doing your job because your quarterback held up his end of the bargain while he was on a bargain contract. Now you have to hold out on your end of the bargain 
while you reinvent the roster. And Baltimore has done this reinvention better than I think any football team in the NFL has over the last two seasons. Like Kansas City won a Super Bowl their first year post Tariq Hill and post Daniel Sorensen and post Terran Matthew and and getting rid of a lot of people that were foundational to the rookie contract Mahomes run. And and like, yes, they won a championship. They also had this the competitive advantage of having Patrick Mahomes and Andy Reid. That was the competitive advantage that helped them out a lot. But what the Ravens have done over the last two years to get back to this position where they're, I think for all intents and purposes, the front runner in the AFC right now. I mean, they're they're the number two seed, granted, but they have the number one defense in the league. Most people would would predict that they'll beat the Miami Dolphins in that week 17 game. And if they do that, be on a, a, a path to the one seed and, and getting the one seed would be a big deal for them. But like what they've done to reinvent that roster over the last two years has been second to none in an incredible job done by that front office and that coaching staff to reinvent that roster and put themselves back in a position where they might get the one seat again if they convert their two point conversions. I guess I have a question and maybe this is coming from a point where I'll admit like I haven't watched a ton of Ravens football this year. Like I peeked in, of course you see the splash plays on like the red zone, but I haven't really done like a true deep dive on the Ravens. That number one defense. How much should we buy into that compared to some of the other top defenses in the league? Because I know that the Cleveland Browns are bad. I watched them dog the Niners and throw around Brock Purdy for 60 minutes. I know the Niners are damn well good. The Niners have certainly made it a big statements against the Cowboys and Eagles this year. They shut down Trevor Lawrence. They've done some good stuff. Now I'm looking at their resume here. Okay. So in week one, C.J. Stroud, we know what he's turned into at this point of the season. But again, you're still beating a rookie. Kind of like take that with a grain of salt. Rookie in his first game. They go on. They beat up on Joe Burrow and the Bengals. We know the Bengals struggled early on to find their offense. I think they were the ones that knocked Anthony Richardson out in week three. Of course, it just seems like Anthony Richardson kept getting knocked out most times. The horrible game for the Browns, only putting up three points. We know that they also struggled offensively for a little bit there. Can't remember who was starting exactly if Deshaun Watson was healthy at that point. Steelers beat them 17-10. to 10. We know that game. We talked about that game. That was just an ugly mess. But the magic wand that the Steelers have to win games like that just happened to work in that instance. I think they're most impressive. If you were to say how good is their defense, holding the Lions to six points. Now, that is a quality one because the Lions at that point they were really rolling offensively for the Ravens to hold that offense to six points. Okay. I do give you some credit there. Seahawks three points. I mean, Geno Smith, like in these bigger games just comes up short and you know, the chargers here, their last game 20 to 10 before the bye week that is impressive in the sense that I do at least expect the chargers put up points. Although I did just see them put up what six points against the Patriots just this past weekend. So, yeah, we know the Chargers are a little bit here to miss, too. So I, I think the most impressive for their defense is the Lions win. But what other data, what other things have you seen? Can I really buy into this defense? Again, versus the upper echelon of defenses around the league. All right. So here's the thing that the Baltimore Ravens are doing great on the defensive side of the ball. The Baltimore Ravens have recorded 47 sacks this season as a team defense. The next closest team is the Colts with 42. The gap between the Ravens at number one, and again, the, everyone ex- the, the Washington and the Cardinals are the only team that have played 13 games. This is everyone playing 12 games. The gap between Baltimore at one and the Colts at two 
which is 42, is the same gap between the Colts at two and the 49ers at nine. That's how far of a gap the, the Baltimore Ravens have in terms of getting to the quarterback and generating sacks. Additionally, their pressure numbers are number one in the league. Defense at getting pressure on the quarterback, impeccable, impeccable job. Uh, that that Roquan Smith trade last year, phenomenal. And this dives into what I said about the front office completely transforming that roster overnight because over two seasons, what they did on the defensive side of the ball didn't feel like a complete transformation, but it was pretty damn close to a complete transformation. So that season that I mentioned in 2021 where they were uh, two two-point conversions away from being 10-2. and two. Instead, they were 8-4. and four. Lamar injures his leg. Tyler Huntley comes in. They go 0-5 oh the rest of the season. They finish 8-9. and nine. That year, they got the 14 pick in the draft. You know what they did with that pick? They took Kyle Hamilton, who our friend Blake Jude, who does NFL draft scouting, had as the highest graded safety he's ever graded in six years of doing grades. Best safety prospect of the last six years to enter the NFL. They got him sliding to 14. Blake Jude had him as his number two overall prospect. Hamilton slid to 14. The Ravens picked him up in his first season, number one graded safety, according to Pro Football Focus. As a rookie, number one graded safety in the league. So that was a huge pickup for them. Owe as an edge rusher, been fantastic. If you remember last year, they traded a, a second round pick for Roquan Smith from the Chicago Bears. There was some other stuff in there, but essentially a second round pick for Roquan Smith. Roquan Smith has come in, completely transformed that defense. He's not going to win defensive uh, player of the year, but Roquan Smith has completely transformed what they do on that defensive side of the ball. Oh, by the way, also throw in Marlon Humphrey is back healthy and, and some other periphery, peripheral moves they've had. And they fired Wink Martindale as defensive coordinator and brought in uh, Mike McDonald from uh, previously he was at Michigan uh, two years ago when they had Aiden Hutchinson in 2021 this is now his second year with that defense in baltimore it's it's been a complete transformation of that defense they are great at getting pressures on the quarterback getting sacks on the quarterback they're better at sacking the quarterback that like again the gap between one and two is the same gap between two and nine in terms of how good they are at sacking the quarterback additionally they have 19 takeaways this year which is top seven in the league uh because lamar jackson's been good at protecting the ball they're plus they're fifth in the league in turnover margin at plus five uh the baltimore ravens have been really really strong on the defensive side of the ball in addition to having marlon humphrey who despite all the injuries he's had over the years is a lockdown number one corner who can also play really well in the slot and that's something that's been incredibly valuable is Marlon Humphrey being a lockdown number one corner who they can play as a slot corner and yeah. grades out as one of the top five slot corners in the NFL. So in past years, I, I mentioned it a little earlier, but you know, the chiefs, the bills, they've been bugaboo teams for this Ravens squad. Like they've been the teams that have most given the Ravens problems, particularly obviously in the playoffs. When you talk about who's beaten them, who's knocked them out this year, you know, the bills are kind of on the outside looking in. So Will the Bills be able to make it? Probably not. So there's at least one quarterback taken out of the mix. Uh, again, I mentioned Joe Burrow and the Bengals probably out of the mix this year. I mean, at least Joe Burrow is. We know he's gone for the season. And then that leaves the Chiefs because I don't know. I look at the Jaguars and we'll find out these teams play head to head in a couple of weeks. I don't think the Jaguars beat the Ravens. I could be wrong on that one, but the Chiefs still seem like the toughest competition for the Ravens specifically. How did the Chiefs and Ravens match up this year? Because I, and we watched the Sunday night game where it just, just seems like they're just so out of rhythm. 
course, there's bad penalties, drop balls, all the stuff that Mahomes has been dealing with all year. But it just doesn't seem like the same Chiefs team that we've seen, though their defense is different. Their defense is good, which I don't know if that could cause some headaches for Lamar either. So there is that. Is it crazy to say that a game that might feature Patrick Mahomes and Lamar Jackson would be a defensive struggle? Like, that's kind of crazy to think about in the in this wacko NFL, two years removed from the highest offensive ratings of quarterbacks across the league. And now we're in an NFL where offense is at its second lowest levels all time. And everyone's trying to win time of possession battles and defenses are are holding opponents to, to fewer points because they're taking away deep balls and daring people to beat you in the middle of the field. Like, yeah, Kansas City versus Baltimore might be a damn defensive struggle. That's crazy to think about because this is the thing that I've been joking about for weeks with the Baltimore Ravens. It must be so damn infuriating to be a Baltimore Raven fan this year because you know that your team is great. They've been irrefutably great. Number one in DVOA for at least four weeks this season. I haven't seen what the updated rankings are after their bye week and what the Niners have been doing. But at least four weeks this year, number one team in DVOA. Number one defense for like eight consecutive weeks now. They've been leading the league in sacks since week one. Start to finish, great football team. Clearly capable of winning the Super Bowl. And yet Lamar Jackson has played them out of a 12-0 record. And that's got to be so damn infuriating that it's pick sixes at the worst times. That game against Pittsburgh this year, I still don't understand how Baltimore lost because they were irrefutably better than Pittsburgh start to finish. They spent more time on Pittsburgh's side of the field than they did on their own side of the field on offense. And they ended up with 10 points. They had zero points in the final like 37 minutes of the game. And I don't understand how they lost that game. That Cleveland game was infuriating because they were up 14 and Lamar Jackson threw a pick six. Like they, they've played themselves out of games this year. Even some games that they've won, they should have won running away a bit. And it's the reason why Lamar Jackson won't win MVPs. They they played he's played himself out of a true MVP finish. Gus Edwards has been a fantastic running back this year that I don't know whether it's a byproduct of the offensive line being healthy or what uh what Todd Munkin is doing with with the offense taking a, another thing that turned out great for them firing Greg Roman and bringing in Todd Munkin another great decision to fire both of their coordinators within 2 years and see market improvement when they made good hires I don't know if that's something Todd Munkin is doing or the offensive line but Gus Edwards is one of the league leaders in touchdowns, and I didn't think that would be something I said at the start of the season. Oh, goal line touchdowns can be a little bit fluky at times, you know, like in terms. Uh, yes, of course, there's a skill of getting into the end zone. I'm not saying that there's not like when you're on the one yard line, but a big, powerful back like Gus Edwards kind of expect him to get in more often than he doesn't in the same way that like you expect that Jalen Hurts is going to score on 99% of his tush pushes. It's just kind of the expectation and that's what Gus Edwards has benefited from a lot this season which I'm not going to complain about as a Gus Edwards fantasy owner I have very much enjoyed the Gus Edwards production this year seems like he's a guaranteed touchdown if you're betting at Gus Edwards anytime touchdown you've been on the winning side more often than not hey credit to Gus Edwards that he's taken advantage of it because this is his year to shine with J.K. Dobbins out again with injury. Justice Hill not really able to step up. And I think they even have Melvin Gordon still in that backfield rotation somewhere as well. So the Ravens like have been able to use Gus Edwards, what he does well, his strengths. And of course, it always helps when you do have the complimentary piece of what Lamar Jackson does with his legs too, because it just gives the defense more to think about as far as like who to pursue in those goal line situations. And again, Gus Edwards has been the beneficiary 
and his accountant is not going to complain about it one bit. <laughs> um, but no, yeah, I mean, definitely. yeah, I mean, the Ravens, I think that again, looking around this AFC, there's no definitive, like this is the team that's going to win the conference this year. It just seems like a bunch of teams are kind of seeming to be around the same space. They still have a lot of the same issues. Uh, Miami's a little bit of a wild card too because of what Miami could do offensively. I think Miami has the best offense out of the bunch. Uh, the Ravens, again, you mentioned they are currently the number one defense in the league. Will that hold up over the course of the remaining games in the postseason? Obviously, the Ravens, I mean, look at this upcoming schedule. If you really want to test how good the Ravens are, if they really are the number one team in the AFC, they'll prove it over this next stretch of games because the Rams, surprising playoff team out of the NFC, surprising team that could make the playoffs. The Jaguars, going to be the AFC South champions. The Niners, we know how good they are. Dolphins, again, AFC East champion right there. And then the Steelers, who, although the Steelers are probably still have Mitch Trubisky by that point, can we count the Steelers out? I mean, they literally beat them out earlier this year, and they're probably a playoff team in the AFC, all things considered, if they are able to just hold par over the next stretch of games. Yeah, Baltimore is in an interesting position because, like, in a year where there's not a lot of great teams, I mean, the AFC feels like kind of a mushy pot of nine and three and eight and four, and anyone could end up with the one seed still. Like, Baltimore could have ran away with that one seed with just one one of those losses. You just flip one of those stupid losses into wins, and Baltimore is in a great position to take the AFC and get the number one seed and just get home field throughout the playoffs. And like Patrick Mahomes has hosted five consecutive AFC championship games. Like the AFC has gone through Kansas city every year for the last five years. So it just getting the one seed would have made their life so much easier. Cause I feel pretty confident saying right now, Kansas city might end up getting back to the super bowl or getting back to the AFC championship game, but they are going to have to go on the road. For the first time in Patrick Mahomes' career, Patrick Mahomes has never played a road playoff game. They're probably going to have to go on the road, and I'm pretty sure Baltimore would like it if they're the team with the one seed that hosts Kansas City instead of them having to go to Miami for a second-round playoff game or something like that. I, I think they would prefer to play on their home field, not just for the first-round bye. But yeah, Baltimore's got just as good a chance as... Miami or Kansas City in that AFC. I know Jacksonville's still in the mix too, but let's let's say for all intents and purposes, Baltimore, Miami, and Kansas City are the three teams vying for that number one seed in the AFC. And uh, Baltimore, Miami play each other, so one of those teams has a guaranteed loss, and both of them lose the tiebreaker against Kansas City. So Kansas City gets the number one seed regardless of how it plays out for those teams. And yeah, we'll see what happens with Baltimore. You, you're right. They've got some tough games the rest of the way, but they are also by many metrics, the best team in the NFL, or at the very least, the best team in the AFC. Well, as far as their pursuit of the number one seed. So again, I mentioned their schedule. So compare that against the Dolphins. The Dolphins have the Titans feels like a win. Jets feels like a win. That Cowboys game could be a bit of toss up again, the head ahead, and then the bills. So maybe you say that the Bills have two more. I mean, obviously, the Dolphins have struggled against the Bills. That's going to be a challenge in itself. Cowboys and Niners, respectively, on both their schedules, like as far as like if they were to drop one of those games, I feel better about the Dolphins facing the Cowboys than I do about the Ravens facing the Niners. I feel as though the Ravens will have to pull a couple games out of their ass to win that one seed. So, so Kansas City losing to Green Bay makes all of this a lot more spicy because if Baltimore or Miami goes four and one the rest of the way, they should be good for the number one seed. I'll say should 
Kansas City in that scenario could go five and zero and still get yeah. the one seed because Kansas City wins the tiebreaker. Miami needs it more though, right? We can agree. Out of all these teams, Miami needs it the most because they don't oh. want to go to Arrowhead. They don't want to go to Baltimore. Them playing in the cold just sounds disastrous. I mean, it gets it gets relatively cold in Florida in January. Oh <laughs> man, sixty degrees! My God, get the winter <laughs> coats out. Yeah, I know, but the the point the po- I was also just going to say that in the sense that Miami's if you took Baltimore, Kansas City, and Miami, put them together, and, and ranked their their offense and defensive units, the worst of the group would be Miami's defense. So, like Miami doesn't want to have to additionally play on the road against any of those teams, in addition yeah. to having the crappy defense. But yeah, anything yeah, that could hinder their offense, which elements weather. That's going to hinder your offense. And then you have a bad defense. That's not elements, good. weather and a good defense. That seems to be what hinders the Miami Dolphins offense this year is any team with a great defense, which, hey, Baltimore and Kansas City both have top 10 defenses. So that's the that's the world Miami is about to enter come playoff time. But like I was saying, I think four losses like 13 and four should be good enough to get them the number one seed because I don't think this Kansas City team can go five and oh the rest of the season as long as they go four and one, which would probably require Baltimore to beat the Dolphins in week 17 because I mean, like we were talking about, they have to play the 49ers still. Uh, they have to play someone else. You just you just went through their schedule. There the Rams could be problematic, potentially. The Rams have actually been a surprising team in terms of how competitive they are. Hey, you know, if you if you go three and basically it's very simple for Baltimore and Miami at this point because they lose the tiebreakers. You just have to play even with Kansas City the rest of the season. If you can play even record with Kansas City the last five weeks, you will get the one seed. Matt Lifler gave you an early Christmas gift of a Kansas City loss <laughs> that now makes it so you don't have to play one game better than Kansas City the rest of the year. If you finish with the same record as Kansas City these last five weeks, you will probably get the number one seed because I think in order to finish with the same record as Kansas City, I mean, unless Kansas City goes two and three the last few games, which I don't think is going to happen, but could happen in order for them to even stay par while the Dolphins and Ravens play each other in week 17. I think they're going to have to they're good. They're going to have to beat the Dolphins if the Ravens want the one seed and the Dolphins are going to have to beat the Ravens if they want to get the number one seed because one of those is a guaranteed loss, which is good for Kansas City because Kansas City will probably jump whichever team loses that game between Baltimore and Miami. Again, assuming Kansas City doesn't shit the bed down the stretch here and, and lose some really dumb games, uh, Kansas City will probably finish with the two seed ahead of whoever loses that game between uh, yeah, whoever loses that game between Baltimore and Miami will probably finish behind Kansas City in the standings because Kansas City plays home against Buffalo at New England, home against the Raiders, home against the Bengals, and then at the Chargers, which I live in a world where the Chargers can't beat Kansas City. So I'm going to chalk that up as three guaranteed wins for Kansas City the rest of the season. Probably four, given that I don't see a world in which the Bengals with Jake Browning win or the Raiders win in that scenario. But yeah, Kansas City has at least three guaranteed wins the rest of the season. So whoever loses that Baltimore and Miami game probably gets the three seed or I mean, depending on how Jacksonville goes, maybe the four seed, but more likely gets the three seed in the AFC playoff. And that's, 
That's a lot riding on that. That's the difference between first round by potentially and you have to play at Kansas City in the divisional round. Baltimore Ravens, are they the favorites in the AFC? How far are they going to go this year? Like to hear your thoughts in the comment section. Leave a like on the video. Subscribe to the channel. Follow us on all our social medias from Juju and Kyle. Stay safe, happy, and healthy. We'll see you next time. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube. You know when you're listening to a true crime story that has an unbelievable plot twist that makes you stop in your tracks? That's what our podcast, People Are the Worst, brings you with each episode. I'm Rachel. And I'm Rebecca. We're identical twins who love true crime cases that make you say, didn't see that coming, and we hate the people responsible for them. Listen to People Are the Worst now on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts.